Thank you for tuning in to the Jude 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, as always, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jude 3 Project. And I'm joined by a very special guest, Elder Anson Goyens. Hey, Anson. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast uh, with me today. Um, I brought Anson on because um, I want to talk about why um, apologetics looks different in the in the black church. Uh, when I first started the Jude 3 Project, one of my... Um, one of the class, one of my classmates was like, why are you starting an apologetics organization specifically for black people? And I was trying to explain to him that the way the black church is set up, we have never pushed apologetics. Um, so it's important that we it's not that the content necessarily has to be different, but the illustrations and the presentation has to be different. And so I wanted I brought Anthony on um, because he's spent a large portion of his life in the black church um and he's into apologetics and theology just to kind of chap it up um to to discuss this so um anson tell us a little bit about yourself um once again thanks so much for for the invitation i'm definitely honored and humbled to um to be here just a, a brief uh overview of my life uh grew up my grandfather was a pastor um, so from the time of birth, I was in what is known as the black church, um, grew up Baptist and, uh, got to a place where it just went non-denominational. Um, mm -hmm. and, but you just, you just come to see a lot of things in those settings, um, that may or may not be advantageous or good. And so you want to defend it with scripture, but then you come to scripture and it's like, oh, I can't defend it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So That's true. <laughs> um, um, I, I got to a place to where I really wanted to defend the Bible with the Bible, mm -hmm. and in order to do that, you you have to you have to be astute in what the Bible says, and not just opinion and not just feeling, but you have to to ascribe to the academic side of it. And so, mm -hmm. from that standpoint, I I preach from the academic side of it, but as well as as from the inspirational side of it. Well, so um, just looking forward to, to being able to work with you and um, doing some great things in the future. Amen. Well, thank you again for um, agreeing to be with us today. So, Anson, why do you think apologetics theology in general is it has to look different in the African-American church? It, it has to look different um, in African-American arm of the church simply because uh, apologetics reflects the totality of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is that um, the Word of God wasn't just written to Caucasians. It mm -hmm. wasn't just written to any specific person or group of people, but it was written to all peoples. However, um, I do not believe that God strips us from our personalities. Mm -hmm. um, Peter was an interesting character. Uh, Peter you know, he was a knife carrier. And he was a bit of a he was a bit of a of a shankster, mm -hmm. as it were. But um, God used his personality. Jesus used his personality, and even after uh, Jesus' ascension, Peter's personality was used to bring uh, one of the greatest salvation scenes mm -hmm. where all of these people are brought to Christ through the personage and the person that he was. And so I don't believe that God wants us to be separate from our personality and even from um, our culture. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that we have to get beyond the racial lines 
and just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So from that standpoint, apologetics has to look different to us in the color so that, uh, and when I mean color, I'm not talking about skin tone, but the way we flavor it, the way that we uh, express it, it can be conveyed to us in a way that's a little bit different and it can be received in, in, in mm -hmm. the same way. Yeah. And when you said, you said something interesting, you said the, um, the black arm of the church. Yes. Um, explain what you mean by that. Um, most of the time we, we, we hear the term the black church and I, I definitely get that. I, I understand where that comes from. Um, as far as, you know, the AME church and, and uh, with Richard Allen not being able to worship with Caucasians. And so there had to be something separate built for uh, African-American worship. And so from that, we, we get the term black church. However, uh, when you look at scripture, you look at uh, Galatians chapter three. Uh, also, you look at Colossians chapter three. Uh, you'll read something in those two particular chapters that talks about that in Christ, uh, there's neither bond nor Jew. There's neither uh, Greek nor Scythian. And it basically is talking about in Christ, there's a riddance of any cultural barriers or there's a riddance of the, the racial stuff that we have going on. Mm -hmm. And we identify with, with Christ in the image that we were created in. So that takes us back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. We were created spirit first. Mm -hmm. Spirit has no color. Mm -hmm. However, our human condition causes us to come into contact with racial issues. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, I do understand what the black church means or when people use that terminology, I do understand what that means. However, the term that I like to use is the arm of the church that's most populated by African-Americans. I like that. I like that. I mean, because people do like talking to my um, classmates, the mm -hmm. whole aspect of if we want to be unified in Christ, why are we having black church and Absolutely. white church? Absolutely. And, the, and the, the opposite is appalling to some in the sense that if there were a white church, we would be outraged. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we would go crazy. So, um, um, and, and this may sound kind of pretentious, but the thing is, is that we're not owed the title of black church simply because we came through slavery or simply because we came through uh, Jim Crow mm -hmm. and things of that nature. The great thing about Christ is that though we deal with those social inequities and though we deal with the realities of those things, the love of Christ and the power of God mm -hmm. causes us to have an opportunity of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is the, is the moment, but mm -hmm. reconciliation, as you alluded to before, is the process. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you when you when we talk about apologetics looking different in your mind, what stages would you say the black church has to go through to even spark interest in the minds of African Americans? Hey, this is something you need to look into. Right. The first thing that we need to address is uh reading. That's the first thing we need to address. Because if we're not if we're not reading, if we're not reading, if we're not there was a time when I was when I was a young boy. There was a time that um, uh, it would always our our teachers would tell us we had to read more mm -hmm. because the reading caused us to write better. Mm -hmm. And I think we've gotten away from the reading aspect of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. And if we could if we could get people back to the point of uh, 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 
book clubs and actually reading things over the summer, even with our kids, with our Sunday school programs and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Reading more. Because mm -hmm. the way we, if we read more, that's going to transform the way that we write. Mm -hmm. And it can develop a love for writing. It can develop a love for the, de the defense of what we know to be true. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the first part, is transforming um, our engaging with books. Because mm -hmm. I think we have an adverse opinion about books now. We don't mm -hmm. like books, you know. And so if we can get that in order, I think we can move forward. And then secondly, after we develop a, a love for reading, then we have to sit and come to the discipline of writing. Because mm -hmm. those are two different things. And to be able to convey our thoughts directly and properly through the pen, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to force us to be more uh, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, it's gonna it's gonna force us to be more intentional mm -hmm. in our, in what we say, and it's gonna be and it's gonna force us to be more methodical mm -hmm. in what we say, mm -hmm. and in that I think we can reach a greater audience and further defend mm -hmm. that's what apologetics is is defending the word of God mm -hmm. with the word of God. Robin says, "Who is my favorite apologist ever?" Robin Zachariah. Yeah, it says illustrations are the windows that let the light in. Yes. And one of the big problems I feel with um, uh, apologetics in general is the illustrations are not fit for the audience in the African-American community. Right. And if you miss them with the illustration, they won't, mm -hmm, they won't get the content. And that's why, as you said, reading and writing, what well, writing for us is so important because we can connect with that audience. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have to, the, the illustrations, and we're such a, we're such a colorful people, mm -hmm. um, but those illustrations are where we connect the dots mm -hmm. between what's written in a book versus what we know. Mm -hmm. That's the line. Those are the two points that we can connect. Mm -hmm. And so the more we are able to do that or the more we're able to write on that level, uh, I, I think we can have a greater level of uh, competency when it comes down to apologetics. Mm -hmm. And so it's just not, you know, what my pastor said, mm -hmm. but it's, this is what the word of God says. And you can build a defense mm -hmm. and, and uh, the best defense becomes an offense. Mm -hmm. So, um, and interestingly enough, the, 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 the arm of God, the only thing that we have that's an offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, which is the Bible. However, I don't think that we know really how to use the word of God properly. And one of the ways that we use the word of God is through apologetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think too, when we talk about, you know, the illustrations and the 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 needs in the African American church mm -hmm. to defend certain positions are different. And what I mean by that, so when we talk about uh, like apologist William Lane Craig, he's yes. always def defending the existence of God. Yes. Well, in the African American community, the existence of God is not really in question as much as in the Caucasian community. Yes. Now you have some New Age Black people right. that are you know <laughs> right. you know that are atheists, but atheism hasn't really been prevalent in the African American community. Absolutely. So we're defending against. Um, Hebrew, 
Israelites. We're yes. defending against um, Jehovah Witnesses. We're defending against what well, Mormon is trying to get more black people. Right. But we're defending against the problem of evil. Yes. Um, it might not be the way the whole, they might not know what theodicy is, right. but they know that there's an evil and they're trying to figure out why bad things happen to good people. Um, those are things we have to defend. So as far as black apologists, we're probably not going to spend as much time defending God's existence as defending, well, what we believe is orthodox. We have to defend the, against the prosperity gospel, against the experiential, um, gospel in a sense, um, against the so-called super spooky uh prophetic thing that is going on um and so those are the issues that we have to tackle absolutely and we have to tackle them in a way that's sensitive sometimes apology apologists come off very arrogant when they're addressing certain things but the great thing about both of us is we've had experiences in the black church culture so there's a grace for those experiences there's a grace for that that realm absolutely um, spending as much time as I did in that in that in that realm and still there now, um, like you said, it helps build the grace for it, but it brings a literacy to it. You mm-hmm. know, to where a person standing outside of it may not know certain things, and then there are certain people that are still inside of it that can't articulate certain things uh, about that particular experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point about you know the, the topics that we're defending, the problem of evil. Um, you know, a lot of people right now are trying to wrap their minds around the, the tragedy that took place in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's in a, an apologetic subject, whether people want to realize it or not, because the question becomes, where is this God mm-hmm. that you say is all powerful when this young man did what he did? And y'all prayed in that church? And they prayed in that church. And we they read and he was present. Yeah. Why didn't the power of God? Yeah. Stop him. Yeah. Where was his um his defense? Yeah. You know, where's yeah. his hiding place? When 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 God knew what was getting ready to happen, why didn't God, you know, intervene? So so these are these are apologetic issues mm-hmm. that are playing out right in front of us. Mm-hmm. You know, um uh, racial relations are apologetic issues. Mm-hmm. Whether people want to deal with that or not, those mm-hmm. are apologetic issues because there is a defense in the word of God. Mm-hmm. That we have to be competent in and with to be able to bring about solution, because uh, whether we want to admit it or not, the racial issue isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And so, to provide a platform for reconciliation to even take place, there has to be uh, there has to be dialogue, mm-hmm. and that dialogue has to involve apologetics mm-hmm. that's directly connected to the issue. Mm-hmm. And so, what apologetics does is that it brings the conversation back to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem that we have now because we live in a society that uh, questions everything authoritative. Mm-hmm. So with apologetics, we rest on the fact that the Bible is the authoritative word of God, mm-hmm. period, point blank. Not what story. I feel. Not what I feel. Mm-hmm. Not what I've been through. Mm-hmm. It's what the word of God says. And so once we establish that substratum, we got to go back to the word. Mm-hmm. We take everything back to the word. And some people, they're not comfortable with that because they feel like, you know, the the, the word of God is antiquated. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's outdated. It's and it's simple. oppressive to African Americans because exactly. our slave masters used it against us. And 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 while we're there, we might as well just go ahead and open <laughs> that up. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I use this illustration all the time. There was I don't know the man's name, but there was an inventor of the hammer. Mm-hmm. Okay, the hammer was invented, and uh, this particular tool was used to build houses. Mm-hmm. And but somewhere somebody got the idea to use a hammer to crush somebody's skull in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we look at the hammer. Do we go back and despise the inventor of the hammer for having invented uh, something that was used later on in mm-hmm. the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Do we despise the inventor of the hammer, or do we look at the use of the hammer in a way that it was not intended to be used? Mm-hmm. And so it's the same way with the Bible. The Word of God, nowhere in Scripture. Now, of course, we understand there's a difference between chattel slavery and what we know as indentured servitude in in uh, the Old Testament and even parts of the New Testament in ancient times. Two different things. But there is nowhere in Scripture that will justify a group of people that are being beaten, uh, uh, totally emasculated. And using the scripture to justify that. That's somebody taking a hammer and busting somebody's head. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the African-American community, we have to deal with, we have to deal with that issue. And that's a very soft spot for us. And that's, it brings up the bitterness aspect. Because if you read um, Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited, he talks about his grandmother Mm -hmm. and she would never, he would read the Bible to her. Um, during the summers, when he would visit her in the summer, she would not let him read any of Paul's works ah. because her slave master used Paul's works against her. So she could, he could read the Psalms, he could read the Gospels, he couldn't read Paul's words. And he asked her, why, why can't I read those words? Because my slave master used those against me. And so when you have that embedded in the people, then Part of the Bible becomes your enemy. Absolutely. And the enemy uses that because what God sent to help you, the enemy has tricked you in thinking it's going to hurt you. It's a trick of the enemy. And, and so you can't get healed because you can't accept the whole, like you told Ezekiel, eat the whole, the whole world, world, bitter with the sweet. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it goes in sweet and it tastes bitter going down. You know, so that's the reality. And if we're not if we're not training people that scripture is authoritative, all of scripture, right. it's just not Jesus' words in the gospels, right. because in, in in some forms of black liberation theology, the uh, the gospels are highlighted, but Paul's words are diminished because they feel like it's oppressive not only to because of slavery, but to women, because yeah. the whole submit submission thing. So when we think through those, those are the type of issues yes. that African Americans have to deal with that white people don't deal with really, yeah. and they don't understand. And so it's not their fault, but it's just not their experience. Right, and that's why we have to become more, more literal, literal and competent in those areas. Mm-hmm. So not only that we can communicate verbally, but then we can we can uh, contribute to the annals of time. We mm-hmm. can write mm-hmm. and those books and those works and those periodicals can be uh, benchmarks mm-hmm. that can be referred back to 20, 50 years from now, Jesus tarries, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, and that's one of the things that I, I think that, unfortunately, in the, in the African-American only church, we don't aspire to. We aspire to the pulpit because it looks successful. Mm -hmm. It looks like that's the prestigious thing to do. We aspire to be the quote-unquote apostle because in that framework, that's the top. Mm -hmm. You know, but we don't aspire to write. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that we're building for ourselves. And as we spoke about before, um, we're, we're left to read what somebody else is writing mm -hmm. instead of what we can write. Mm -hmm. And so... The library at Alexandria was one of the greatest libraries ever known to mankind. Unfortunately, it was burned down. But those uh, books that were in that library were written by, people's, by people whose skin was kissed with, by the sun. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, we know that we have the ability to contribute even on a literary and academic level. But we have to build that intensity and we have to build the engaging, um, the engaging factor to bring people from even from the pew and the pulpit mm -hmm. to the point of apologetics to realize that everything in life that we deal with, whether it's race, whether it's uh, suffrage, whether it's uh, whatever the case is, it can be defended by the word of God mm -hmm. and it can be a benchmark to build upon and life, uh, basically a pillar that mm -hmm. we can rest on. But that pillar has to be hewn out of the rock of God, mm -hmm. which is the word of God. And we have to work as bridge builders with people who is, who maybe have been trained in liberal seminaries yes. because most a lot of African Americans, I won't say most because I don't know the stat, but a lot of African Americans have been trained in liberal seminaries because conservative evangelical seminaries would not accept Absolutely. black people. Absolutely. So because of that, there's a uh, there's a bridge, there's a gap between conservatism and liberalism. And then you can't as conservatives I always tell people you can't you can't point the finger at black people mm -hmm. for going to liberal seminaries mm -hmm. when you didn't open your doors. How can I trust your theology when you don't even love me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have to, as African Americans who who want to do apologetics, read our liberal um scholars that are that are black, read James Cone, mm -hmm. read Howard Thurman, mm -hmm. because these are people who have a lot to say that we need to hear. Now we could we could um, do away with some of the stuff that are inconsistent with scripture. I, I feel, um, but we need both to, both um, both sides to really find the balance. Absolutely, um, because one side is 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 um, pushing a more social what we need to do socially, and then another side is pushing the gospel of the cross and what Christ has done. But we need both. We need, we need both. what God is. We need to accept the finished work of Christ, but we need to work while we're here. Exactly. And that's why the totality of the Bible has to be accepted as authoritative. Because when you look at books like Micah, Obadiah, um, uh, Nahum, um, and what people have dubbed as the minor prophets, mm -hmm. what you'll realize is, is those books were written for social reform. Mm -hmm. That's right there in the scripture. You go into the book of Nehemiah, even into the book of Isaiah. Those books were written for social reform. Mm -hmm. So when I was young, when I was a, when I was a little boy, um, my my mom uh, and my grandparents they always used to cook fish mm -hmm. all the time. And you know we love fried fish, and it smells so good, especially <laughs> when somebody cook it, you know, the right way. And so when I was younger, I would always try to grab the fish, especially when it was hot, got some good mustard on it. And my mom would always stop me 
Mm-hmm. And the reason why she would stop me is because she knew that I was not mature enough to be able to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Mm-hmm. And so to your point about reading both conservative and liberals, we have to realize that no matter what you're reading, uh, when you understand the substratum of the word of God, it empowers you to be able to discern meat from bone. Mm-hmm. Meat being what you can ingest, bone what you discard. Mm-hmm. But then, to your point, there are so many things that uh, liberals have to offer and things that they say and perspectives that they give. Mm-hmm. So we need to mesh both of them mm-hmm. to come to a place of balance, mm-hmm. to give credence to mm-hmm. where we're standing. So we could, we could, they're, they're both iron and they're yes. sharpening each other and getting to the truth of yes. what God's word is. Yes. And the closer you get to the cross, the closer you get to the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the issue is, is that Jesus, Jesus, while he was uh, uh, just, a, just as much about his redemptive work, mm-hmm. he was also about social work mm-hmm. as well and dealing with the maladies of the time. Mm-hmm. He was not, the, the gospel was not written in, in, a, in a vacuum. You know, when he was uh, going to Calvary and he couldn't carry his cross anymore, You'll read the scripture that a man, a dark-skinned man, uh, came and grabbed his cross for him and carried it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So what I believe the, the picture that Jesus gives, uh, and, and furthermore, even before I go to that point, Jesus spent a great deal of his time unedited, as it were, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. We read about that in the book of Matthew, mm-hmm. where he went to Egypt for a period of time and then he, you know, they came back or whatever. And so, but the the point that I want to grab is is that. There is um, more to the gospel than just the redemptive side. Mm-hmm. And then there's more to the gospel than just the social side. Mm-hmm. But both of them working together mm-hmm. creates that synergy, as it were, mm-hmm. that, that working together that brings about the complete redemptive work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Not only are we on our way to glory, but before we get there, thy kingdom come mm-hmm. here on earth. Yeah, and we need to be working. We're yes. not saved by our works, but we're saved to sure. work. Yes. And I think that's what sometimes the conservative side misses. Yes. And then the liberal side misses the fact that we are saved whether we work or not. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Occupy. Jesus said, occupy mm-hmm. until I come. Mm-hmm. So there are things, there, there are maladies that we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. There are social inequities. There are economic inequities. Mm-hmm. There are... Uh, all types of things that we're going to have to deal with until Jesus comes back. And the family, because I know in the conservative setting, they push this ideal family. In the African-American church, that's not a reality. That's not even a reality in the white circles. That's not a reality anywhere in America right now because there's such brokenness, not only in African-American families, we suffer greater Mm -hmm. on the African-American side, but white families too. Mm -hmm. Divorce, um, unwed parents. That's just, it's not going to be, I mean, we could really push it for the next generation. But when we preach an ideal family, what do we do with everybody else who's not ideal? And they feel, they feel outside of, mm-hmm. they feel detached from. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where the social side or the, 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 the part of the gospel that deals with the right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, and it goes back to the apologetics, the broken home. Mm-hmm. The, the single parent mother because you're not going to be able to really see God as father if I keep saying to you God is your father right. you've never had one 
how do I know what that looks like? Right. And so correction becomes hard to receive. Mm -hmm. Correction sounds like hate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even God's discipline sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, he really don't love me. He's just picking on me Mm -hmm. because of my situation. And and if he was so big of a God, then he should just come and get me out of this situation. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the malefactor that was on the cross. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you're so much God, you know, why don't you get yourself down off this cross and get me down too? Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is the great part about the gospel is he not only gives us a hope, Mm -hmm. but he also is in it with us. And Mm -hmm. sometimes he's not trying to bring us out of it. Mm -hmm. What he is doing is he'll give us the strength to go through it. Mm -hmm. He didn't take the Hebrew boys out of the fire. Mm -hmm. He got in it with them. Mm -hmm. And so the strength of the gospel and even the strength of apologetics in 2015 going forward is helping people understand that God is not a God outside of your problems. Mm -hmm. He's a God. He's a very present help Mm -hmm. in the time of trouble. And going even back to what you said on the cross, that made me think of Charleston with people saying, well, if God is so much God, Mm -hmm. why did he allow this to happen? If he has the power, he was on the cross. These were saying the same thing. But he knew that something, he was going to bring something greater out of the suffering. And so when there's a greater thing that he's trying to accomplish, suffering is necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the suffering, he was a casualty. Absolutely. So if he can demonstrate it, then there's, I don't, I don't know if I want to say casualty. That might be kind of, I mean, that's (laughs) insensitive, but there are certain things that we have to suffer here on earth for God to get a greater glory. And that goes back to the the hallmarks of faith. They did not obtain the promise, but they suffered unto death. That's it. That's it. And Jesus said, he said, if you suffer with me, Mm -hmm. you'll reign with me. And that comes to a proper understanding of what this life is about and that this is not our home and that death in the intrigue says death is a doorway to take us to our faithful love. And see, that goes back into apologetics <laughs> because when you realize that your that this life is not all that there is, mm-hmm. that's that's apologetics or soteriology more than anything. Um, but defending the fact that we are just passing through here. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to the point to where we can communicate that fluently mm-hmm. and even directly it gives hope proper apologetics does not tear people down it actually builds their hope mm-hmm. for as hebrew says uh it gives people the substance of things hoped for mm-hmm. the evidence of things not seen and so while we don't serve a god that just keeps keeps us reaching up and reaching out but never never giving anything towards our faith at the same time um there is a there is a reward, a final reward, as it were, mm-hmm. to to our life here on earth, mm-hmm. and that is what we're working towards the finality of that. And so, um, that understanding, because when when you don't think, if you think that this is all that there is, mm-hmm. your mindset is framed a certain way. Mm-hmm. You you will live a certain type of way because you're thinking, hey, I just got to do whatever it is I want to do. Mm-hmm. But when you understand what Scripture says then it frames your mindset totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can live our life just out of a life of service. Yeah.
Well, Anton, thank you. This conversation has definitely been helpful. And I think this will <laughs> help keep dialogue going on this subject. Um, <laughs> so is there anything you would like to add before we close? Um, nothing, nothing else. Uh, just thank you once again so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to come on. <laughs> well, thank you again for um, being willing to be on. Um, you can listen to all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Jude3project, on Instagram at Jude3project, and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Jude3project. And always, we encourage you to know what you believe and why you believe it.